This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Brightstar Care, a private duty home care and medical staffing franchise with prime territories available nationwide and five revenue streams for uncapped earning potential. For more information, visit brightstarfranchising.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive conversations with franchising's biggest names. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. I could either go out and raise money at a very early stage. That may have been difficult to do without giving up tons of control and not being able to do it in a high quality, higher cost way. Typically when you're raising money, it's about you know maximizing profit and reducing costs, reducing infrastructure. And I didn't think that would allow me to do a high quality way. So I set out and learned franchising and saw franchising as a great way to keep true to the quality that was the mission of Brightstar in the beginning, but give us a way to grow and expand. And so that was 2005. The in-home care market has exploded in recent years with an increasing number of senior citizens looking to receive care in their own homes as opposed to moving into a residential care facility. As such, brands like Brightstar Care have been in fierce demand, with the established care franchisor continuing to grow and expand since its creation back in 2002. But how has Brightstar Care evolved since then? And what kinds of services is the brand offering now to keep up with the needs of its clients? To find out more, we sat down with Shelley Sun, founder of Brightstar Care and an undeniable expert when it comes to this benevolent industry. You know, back in late 2001, I was looking for care for my um, grandmother and had a difficult time finding care that was both non-medical, helping her with the activities of daily living that she couldn't do on her own, but also she needed medical intervention because she was trying to manage pain. Um, And those were only shots that a nurse could do. And so going through that experience, having to be the one for the family, calling different agencies, having to piece together different solutions and manage two different agencies to provide the care that she needed. Um, we went through, you know, about six months of trying to find the best care we could. It was very difficult. We lived in Illinois. She lived in Florida. Um, and ultimately, she did pass away. Um, she was, you know, late stage cancer. And so um, thinking about that, I spent the next six months. I was an accountant by background, never imagined being an entrepreneur. I think the most risk averse um, career probably is being an accountant. And so here I was on the precipice of thinking about trying to change the world based upon a family experience but it kept calling to me. And so I spent six months talking to potential caregivers that might work for me, other families that might need these kind of services, those that were medical professionals out in the space as to whether there was a need to provide a high quality uh, medical and non-medical home care company. What I found in looking for this for myself is there tended to be, no offense to Walmart, but a lot of Walmart where you knew you were going to get the everyday lowest price. Um, but when I was thinking about care for a grandmother, price was not how I was making my decision. Sure, It was compassionate care, reliability, high quality. Um, but that costs more to do because you have to pay better to your workers. You have to have nurse oversight. All of those things are a little bit more expensive. So what might be the Nordstrom's of home care? And that was what we set out to do. Um, opened in October, 2002, the first kind of um, home care brand that we were aware of that did medical and non-medical and required there to be a full-time registered nurse 
overseeing the care and care coordination for every family that we would ever take care of. Um, and we were very successful. Um, I had a desire to be able to provide those kind of services to other families. And so I could either go out and raise money at a very early stage that may have been difficult to do without giving up tons of control and not being able to do it in a high quality, higher cost way. Typically when you're raising money, it's about you know maximizing profit and reducing costs, reducing infrastructure. And I didn't think that would allow me to do a high quality way. So I set out and learned franchising and saw franchising as a great way to keep true to the quality that was the mission of Bright Star in the beginning, but give us a way to grow and expand. And so that was 2005 when we started you know, learning franchising, getting our business model for ready for franchising. And now, you know, honored, you know, nearly 20 years later to have um, about 360 agreements signed um, in terms of locations that will open and 345 locations already open across 39 states in the United States. So it sounds like despite all of the the growth uh, and the years since, you know, that kind of compassionate heartbeat at the core of Bright Start Care has really been a driver for you guys. Absolutely. I mean, and it's transformed or, you know, been an underpinning of a lot of the decisions I've made personally. You know, 20 years later, I'm still the only founder of a franchise brand in home care with over, you know, 150, 200 units that still owns 100% of our company. I have been unwilling to sell. Will I consider a strategic in the future, potentially where it makes the pie bigger and allows us to continue delivering the best quality of care to our consumers that we give a pledge to doing the right thing by our franchisees, making their pie bigger in terms of their, their opportunity. But unless I can, I can foresee something that takes care of all the constituencies, all the stakeholders of our brand. Um, I remained joyfully and passionately at the helm uh, with all of my chips still on the table. Yeah, it's really great to hear. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, as you say, Bright Star Care is your baby and you wouldn't want to relinquish any of that kind of quality control to somebody else. Absolutely. My boys hate it because they know that I started, I have twin boys that are uh, just turned 16 and they hate knowing that they're not my firstborn, <laughs> that Bright Star is my firstborn baby. I love them dearly, but they know that uh, while they're the most important things in my life, they were not firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the years since, of course, you know, other sort of care franchises have um, emerged and kind of uh, grown throughout the States and worldwide. But as you'd mentioned there, you know, Bright Star's um, service offering of providing skilled care really differentiates it in the industry still today. Um, would you be able to kind of dig down a little into what that actually means, what franchisees can get out of Brightstar rather by having that additional avenue? Yeah, I, th- I think we differentiate across um, the spectrum in a few different ways. I'll, I'll start with kind of the the, the breadth of services. So to, as you mentioned, we do skilled and non-skilled or non-medical care. And I think that's really relevant. While a lot of our families might need 80% of their total care to be non-medical. Many do have a component of medical and being able to deal with one company with one coordinated care plan and one nurse overseeing and coordinating with their physicians, I think is really, really helpful and drives improved quality of care. Um, I think it's also that we kind of drill down further that we deliver skilled care in a high quality way that all of our franchisees have a dedicated director of nursing that's overseeing the quality of care is involved in the onboarding of all new healthcare staff, whether that's certified nursing assistants, licensed practical nurses, or registered nurses, 
they're getting that mentor from a clinical perspective from day one. And then for me, it was important to set the bar high in a way that um, it wasn't me as big brother or big sister having to make sure our franchisees were doing the highest quality things by aligning with a third party accreditation organization. And we have had a relationship with Joint Commission since 2010. Um, and all of our locations have been accredited nationally um, since 2012. We just um, celebrated our ninth consecutive year of the highest level of quality designation with Joint Commission, which is Enterprise for Champion Quality. And the first year that they gave that, we were the first recipient. And, you know, some of the folks that have received that are, you know, Mayo and Cleveland Clinics. We feel like we're in good, high quality company in the way that we want to run our business and deliver care each and every day. So I think the skilled and non-skilled is an important part of why franchisees would make the decision to choose Brightstar versus others. But I think there are a couple other things. Um, we also do um, healthcare staffing. Um, that gives another revenue component to our franchisees. And we also have a very large national account team that's 10 plus people in my um, corporate office. So we're out securing business for our franchisees. We, we secure it, they fulfill it. And so how great, it's about 20% of our volume of our brand. How great for a franchisee to know that they can do really well, but they can do great by this extra 20% that they don't have to go get the business because we're a national brand. And a lot of the companies we do business with, whether it's workers comp or infusion, they love the fact that we're joint commission accredited. They love the fact that we have this high quality clinical program. They love the fact that we have our own technology so we can provide outcomes data to them. Um, we really are aligned around this high quality, bigger part of the healthcare ecosystem. And I think that's unique in what we can offer to our franchisees. And um, hand in hand with that skilled care side of things, of course, one of the things you just mentioned there that uh, Brightstar provides medical staffing to services such as hospitals and retirement homes. I was wondering, Shelley, uh, whether that's seen kind of an uptake over the past year during the pandemic when, you know, as a lot of people know, these kinds of facilities are really spread incredibly thin as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, we did see a large uptick in staffing uh, during the pandemic, I think for a, for a few different reasons. I mean, we had the, the normal components of staffing that we would have done in terms of nursing home and, you know, doctor's offices and hospitals. And I think we can continue to, to fulfill that business and saw a pretty large uptick because a lot of their regular staff were not wanting to go into multi-site because um, a lot of those locations didn't have their own PPE on hand. I am a Young Presidents Organization member, so I had contacts in seven countries around the globe already ordering PPE in February and March of 2020. Uh, so we were able to provide to our franchisees N95 masks um, from a pretty early date. Um, at cost, we charged them no incremental um, markup. And when we got to December of 2020 and had kind of extra supply, we sent out $800,000 of PPE free to our franchisees without asking for reimbursement. So again, we've tried to do the right things. I think it really resonated with our national account um, programs that are also staffing by nature, whether those were national or local relationships that our franchisees could bring in PPE to keep their people safe. And they had enough supply to be able to also provide that to the staffing 
uh, accounts if they didn't have that on hand themselves. So we became a great partner um, in the country and our communities trying to deal with a horrific pandemic that no one probably could have foreseen in the time frame that it occurred and rapidly accelerated. So I think that helped. And then we saw a large uptick in new areas of staffing that our national accounts team allowed us to pivot into quickly, um, whether that was temperature checking at national um, airports, at um, uh, pork and chicken um, plant manufacturing plants where, you know, quality control and COVID free was absolutely a requirement. We were there, we were alongside those employers keeping things safe and we were honored to participate in one of the clinical um, vaccination trials. We were the only um, home care company um, asked to do that. We had to um, work with our franchisees to hire about 800 registered nurses in about three weeks, but we got it done. The country and our communities needed us to. And so our franchisees you know, stepped up to the plate as we did 20-hour days, uh, getting that done over a few weeks. And you know, one of the vaccinations that's approved um, for uh, you know, use right now is because of that, of that great work, helping both our country and countries around, around the world. And that feels really good. We were able to be a part of that. And we're continuing to be a part of the solution in terms of administering those vaccinations um, and what will likely be booster shots as well uh, with some of those national accounts that were established. Sounds like it's been an incredibly busy period for you, Shelley, but um, really <laughs> just has. continuing to propel Brightstar to the top of that um the healthcare industry. Um, as somebody, Shelley, who's been at the helm of this successful franchise for several years now, um, what would you say that your personal leadership style consists of? And I suppose tangentially to that, um, what do you think works best for franchise leaders perhaps wanting to join the Bright Star Network? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say from my um, personal style, I think it's about really good open communication, being willing to give constructive feedback coach privately, praise publicly, right. um, and, a, and a very large dose of transparency. You know, you know, my leadership style during the pandemic was hopefully the leadership style I've had for the last two decades. You know, with my team, it was, you know, you have to be willing to make the tough decisions. I made those early, um, but I sat with my, my entire team on, I think it was like second week of March and said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I can promise you. We can either, right now, we need to preserve capital and make sure we're here for the long haul. I can either reduce the team by 20% to do that or ask all of us to lock arms and take a 20% pay cut. Our franchisees are going to need us now more than ever. And I don't want anyone having to worry about their jobs being lost. Mm. So we made all of the tough decisions and communicated them transparently day one. And we never had another layoff. We never never had another change in personnel. And every week I was doing video calls um, with my team and the entire company, every single employee I have, as well as outbound communication to my franchisees. Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's what I'm doing about what we don't know. And here's what you can expect from me. And I think that transparency of saying we don't have it all figured out, but we're going to lead by the core values that got us to this point. We will do this together. And as soon as we can start getting back to some semblance of normal, we will. Our employees that made less than $100,000 were only down wages for three weeks. Soon as we knew the business model was going to hold or hold well enough to be able to take care of our people and reduce their anxiety and their personal budgets, we got them back. Um, within seven weeks, we got everybody back. And within four months, we made everybody whole for everything they had been down. I'm not aware of too many employers that did that because you really had air cover not to have to do that. Mm. But 
that wasn't the right thing to do if we knew we were going to be okay. And we were certainly okay. Same kind of transparency with our franchisees in terms of here's what we're seeing. Here's what's good. Here's what's bad. Here's what I need you planning for. Here's what we're doing about it. Here's what we can help with. Here's what we can't. We locked arms transparently with our franchisees. We got 100% of our franchisees that qualified for PPP loans, uh, APPP loan. A lot of those phone calls were me with the franchisee because my team was busy and I could just work a few extra hours a day and get that done and had um, lending relationships to make that happen. So I'd say that, that, you know, that working hard is, you know, rolling up my sleeves, not asking my team to do anything that I'm not willing to do. But I think that transparency um, and open communication is important. I think when the business has outgrown a member of the team, I think it's really important to lean in and overcompensate to reduce stress for that employee's family by giving them a long lead time and a smooth transition. But at some point in time with a business that has gone from, you know, a hundred million to 600 million in the span of eight years, we have outgrown talent. Um, And that's not a bad thing. It was great to have great people as part of journeys. And I've got cards all over my desk from people who were former employees that, We transitioned out, but we did it with grace. And I think that's what my leadership team knows about me as an individual. I will push hard. I will support. I'll invest in development. But I will also have open and honest communications when I'm beginning to see that the job may have outpaced the individual. Uh, So we both have time to plan for that in a graceful way with open and honest, respectful communication. And there's no hidden agendas and there's no conversation that I'm unwilling to have. I don't run from conflict. I think conflict becomes true conflict when you wait too long to have the conversation versus having the the, the smaller conversations along the way. Um, for franchisees, I think those skills are absolutely necessary. They're managing a team as well. I think you know great leadership comes from great communication and transparency, being able to set a vision and share that with others and get them inspired and motivated. And I think for our franchisees, key skill that I look for in franchisees is change management. We're in an industry that is evolving quickly. Clearly, we've seen that in the last two years with the pandemic, but we will continue to see that because there's a lot of things that are beginning to, to change in terms of legislation and, you know, just consumer preference to have more care delivered in the home. You know, you see some of the kind of horror stories around where more, more deaths occurred were in nursing homes. So you're seeing a large migration of families that can afford to remain at home, moving back home and out of multi-person institutional settings. Um, so I think that everything's kind of in our favor, uh, but it means we need franchisees that are able to help their teams manage through change and manage their change effectively, which comes back to change management requires great communication skills. And I think that's true at every level of management throughout our organization. Don't forget that entries are now open to the Global Franchise Awards 2022, which is set to be the biggest instalment yet. With brand new categories, a refreshed judging panel, and a much-anticipated ceremony in San Diego, you can't afford to miss out on entering your brand for the chance to win. For more information and to enter today, head over to globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. And, uh, and when you're looking at kind of the franchisee profile for an ideal Bright Star Care franchisee, um, of course, when you first started the franchise, you had this very personal connection to the uh, industry. Is that something you necessarily look for in franchisees or do you think that's not entirely necessary for a successful candidate? 
I think the personal journey experience um, is still really important. About 80, 85% of our franchisees have had a personal experience with care right. um, in the two years leading up to being a, being a franchisee. So I think that's still um, an important component, but I think you're, you know, our businesses are growing to be larger businesses. Our average unit volumes for 24 months and behind at first locations and our item 19 is over $2 million, right? And so our franchisees are growing big businesses. And so business acumen, but a good heart uh, for what we do is really important. Um, and so we're, we're ideally looking for both, you know, uh, what I miss most about being in person, because we're still doing our, what we call discovery day, uh, we're doing that remotely is what I miss about doing it in person is we always did a dinner the night before. So I could see how the potential franchisee would interact with the wait staff. Right. Okay. I knew they were going to treat me with respect, but if you can't inspire and treat with respect the, the wait staff, you will never be able to recruit and retain caregivers that are doing the Lord's work every single day. Mm. And they deserve to be held up on a pedestal and treated with great respect and praise for what they're doing. Um, and I find that some are more aligned to treat kind of white collar staff versus blue collar staff appropriately. And those are just not the people that we want to do business with. We need people who see a janitor and the head of a university equally they're, they're the Lord's people. They're doing the Lord's work. And how can we treat everybody with respect and appreciation? Um, and so those are probably the most important characteristics that we look for in a franchisee. They're good people, but they've demonstrated business competency and business acumen because you need to, it's not philanthropic. You need to be able to grow and lead a great business, but you need to have the heart to do the business that we are in, in the right way. And if you don't focus on the clients and the caregivers first, the money and the scale will never follow. You can't make those things happening without doing absolutely the best things and your best effort every day for the clients you have the honor to serve and the caregivers who trust trust us uh, in keeping them safe and letting them do uh, what they do so compassionately. And, uh, and for the franchisee prospects who maybe don't have that um, care background, but want to maybe get involved with Bright Star Care, why, what would you say makes the care sector a particularly valuable industry to, um, to work within? What do you find still personally fulfilling about working in this industry? Yeah, we get a chance to make a difference every single day. We're making a difference in people's lives. We're making a difference in the community. Um, it has obviously shown itself to not just be recession resistant, but pandemic resistant as well. You know, we've thrived during, you know, what has arguably been the two hardest years in the last two decades, um, much harder than 2008 to 2010. We, and our brand, you know, uh, you know, excelled through that. So I think that would make it a great you know, economic opportunity, I would find it's almost hard. I'm hard pressed to find someone who hasn't been through the care journey or know of someone who has been through the care journey, you know, one in five being over the age of 65, some of us, you know, some of us have seen some kind of, you know, interaction with, with the healthcare uh, sector for a loved one, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a best friend, a neighbor. Um, so I, I, I think you'd almost have to be living um, on an island under a rock not to have some some exposure to care and know that it that it lights you up to know that you could make a difference and reduce that anxiety and create peace of mind for those that are going through that. We'll all want that at some point in our lives. 
Yeah, it's certainly a very universal experience. So it makes sense that you'd have a lot of people continuing to um, join the Brightstar network. The the last question I've got for you, Shelley, is just, um, of course, Brightstar has quite a, um, a rich and diverse you know, uh, portfolio throughout North America. But I was curious whether that in the coming years there were any plans to take the brand further afield internationally or whether you think that there's still more work to be done with franchising in the States. I think there's absolutely so much opportunity here in the States. And, you know, we have gone to Canada. We have tried to do the model. I had, you know, a master candidate that wanted to buy with me in the UK, one in um, in Australia and one in the Middle East. Um, we tried Canada. Socialized medicine is very different um, than what we have in the United States. And for the for the resources, I would have to divert away from helping my franchisees in the United States who have already been with me uh, for 15 plus years. It just didn't align with my core values to go get the sexy big check to go sign a master in another right. country. That That's about ego. And I try to check mine at the door and make it about great care and being a great franchisor. So if I had to take, you know, the same, you know, million, two million dollars it takes to do a new launch of a country well, that's a lot of incremental support and resources I can bring to my franchisees here in the United States. And, you know, we assess that we probably have another 300 locations that we could open in the United States with further growth, which, you know, is another seven to 10 years of growth. And, you know, our brand is growing double digits every year at the unit level. Um, so we're focused on helping our franchisees be more successful, take care of more families and open more uh, locations so we can continue to do that in every community throughout the United States. That sounds really great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Shelley. It's been really great speaking with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Brightstar Care's initial compassionate drive seems to have maintained throughout the many years since, with both the brand's clients and its many North American franchisees being supported and cared for throughout their journeys. For franchisees, this support comes in a variety of ways including the $800,000 of PPE that Shelley provided the network last year, or the dedicated directors of nursing that each franchisee is paired with to properly develop the skilled care branch of their service offering. As Shelley touched on, care is a sector that many of us have had some form of experience with, even if that's only tangentially through a family member or close friend. This makes the sector a popular one for investment, which we're seeing more of as entrepreneurs decide to pursue business ownership with brands like Brightstar Care. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Are you involved with the home care franchising industry? And what do you find personally fulfilling about this line of work? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.